Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Okay, here we are. Great news. Uh, my co-host and I reviewed a movie for 25 minutes. And, Although uh, we really didn't get to reviewing the actual no. movie. We, <laughs> we started talking about so many other things. However, being filmmakers uh, of some renown recently with our uh, film Making Into Festival, I realized, and it's all on me, that uh, maybe I should check to see if we are recording. Which is beneficial if you want anyone to hear you yeah. unless they're well, around right now. You know, you learn through experience. Oh, man, I've learned from so much experience. We were talking about Babel. No, oh. Babel was another Brad Pitt movie. No, this is Babylon. Right, Babylon. Sorry, Babylon 5? Right, if they make a sequel up to 5, doesn't mean that it's... Oh my God, we've been talking about the industry. There was so much passion. How embarrassing, especially for the first episode. Maybe it's for the best. Right. <laughs> we did say all that racist stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so that's not going to be there. But it was against the director of this film, whose name escapes me. Jimmy Kudu. Who? Damien Chazelle. Damien Chazelle. We were really racist with him, which is fine. No, we weren't. We were talking about our backgrounds in the industry and how that informs our individual opinions about movies and trying to give you kind of a quick synopsis about where our value would be in you listening to this and saying that is a worthwhile assessment of this film. A Most a beneficial. A review that you can trust. Right. <laughs> yes, Exactly. A review that you can trust, uh, and we have a 30,000-mile well, no. warranty. So I say that because right, there, are, all bought. So, there yes. aren't yes, so many reviews that are just sycophantic and completely yes. manufactured. And That means kissing up, for those of you who are <laughs> actors. Go ahead, continue. Um, so anyway. Uh, it's like kissing up. Yes. Yeah, sycophantic. Yes, okay. Word um, of the day. <laughs> right. Well, you don't want to go over people's heads. You know? Sure. So, uh, Gina... And I'm Jet. That's how you want to hear that. <laughs> Introductions? Yeah, introduce yourself. <laughs> okay. I am Jet, and you can also say who you are. I'm Gina. Right. If I had said that, it would have been messed up. I'm a writer, a director. I've worked on camera in still photography, cinematography for a million years. But most successfully over the last two... One of my movies is at festivals right now and has gotten some recognition. I have other films that are coming out, but that is my background. I write movies. I've been around the business for 20 years. Uh, what I say around is that you take what you can get and the capacity in which you operate is usually based on uh, what's available at the time. If yeah. you want to work. But you do a lot of different types of jobs, too. Right. You've, you've been in front of the camera, behind right. the camera, sets, lighting, sound. Next to the camera. <laughs> camera uh, and went to the movies yes. together pre-production post-production all that stuff because of that my breakdown of a movie is going to be the story if it keeps me intrigued if i'm interested if i care about the characters if the characters care about the world if it's true to itself and it does what a movie is supposed to do which is keep us interested and make you feel something you didn't feel before you watched it so gina introduce yourself uh, yes, I am Gina. Do I get a last name? Am I allowed to or no? Nope. Okay. <laughs> Wait, no, you can have a last name. Oh, I right. can. I'm like Madonna. <laughs> or Cher or Beyonce. And that I wear a mask because I don't want people to see my are there face. Any, are there any male 
you said like Madonna, and I'm thinking Cher. Like male, one name? male Prince. recording. Oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Forgot about him. Yeah, he's dead. Sorry, Prince. I'm sorry you found out he's <laughs> dead. So you, go ahead and introduce yes, yourself. Yes, me. Oh, man. I hate talking about myself. I know you, no. Yeah, I, I well, know she, you know, she's like those other modest actresses uh-huh. out there. Yes, I am a an actor or actress, depending on. What you wear. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't like the gendered term. I like the idea in sci-fi's now that the characters call superior officers sir. Sir. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. I think that's great. Mm-hmm. Call them both sir. Yeah. That's fine. Sure. So you can be, I mean, actor, I think, is very Don't much accepted. Don't call me sir, though. <laughs> you bet, sir. Your honor, mister. Mm-hmm. So you're an actress. Yes. I'm an actress. Did a lot of theater. I started on stage as a dancer. Right. Um, so Pole dancer ba- when she was seven. Uh-huh. She got me, into I was going to clarify. Yeah. Ballet, jazz, modern. And uh, did that for a long time. And then, you know, got on to musicals and straight theater productions. Mm-hmm. And uh, There's very few straight theater productions. <laughs> Usually you have I mean, non-musical theater. Right, got it. Because okay. yeah, I've okay. worked in theater right. and it, yes. it's not always <laughs> as straight as maybe you'd like it. And I think we're both won over by arguments that make sense to our core beliefs in what a film should be. So if you say something that makes me aware of something that I may not have picked up on and I watch the movie again or I even review it in my head and I put that standard to the film, I will look at it differently. And that's important. I had some prejudices because it seemed like I was supposed to like it. And that is a real buggery boo with That's you, too. That's a buggery too. boo with me. If, yeah. if yeah. people tell you, oh, you're going to love this, yeah. chances are you will not see it or will avoid seeing it as long as possible. You um, and I ended up going mm-hmm. to a party together recently, a couple weeks ago, and the hostess, now we could call her host. I'll That's call right. her sir. Okay. Sir said that uh, I was going to love this guy. This guy and I had so much in common. You got to meet this guy. I wanted to get you two in a room. Mm-hmm. And the minute he walked in, I wanted to stab him in the neck. I know, I because know. It's a horrible feeling to be told but, that. But, you know, that that is also part of your psychosis. Yes. Because you have told me on more than one account that if you bumped into your doppelganger. or That means myself or a, or a layman. Yeah, 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 yeah or a, a clone of yourself. Right. Um, He's out there somewhere. You would fight yourself. Oh, I'd kill him. <laughs> Depending on what point I am in my life. Because there have been times where I've been a bit of a sloppy drunk. And current me could beat... A younger version of me. I don't want to go into it too deep, but I do have strong feelings about this and who would win. And I believe I can look at it objectively. We were going to review a movie, right? It was about babbling. Aren't we babbling? <laughs> Isn't that kind of the idea? Plus, this being the first episode, I want people to kind of know where we're coming from. Gina was modest. She was a professional ballerina from when she was a child to when she was in her late teens. And she danced with San Francisco and New York. So she was very successful. It makes her very uncomfortable when she talks about it, but she's going to have sensibilities in acting and movement that I won't, and I default to her in that. So what we had discussed before we were recording... The test run. Yes. The dress rehearsal. Yes. Was that you are kind of more of the... DJ Scat Cat, the... and you'd be more of a Paul Abdul. <laughs> uh-huh. But we come no, together more, because opposites you're, attract. You're the traditional... Thumbs up, thumbs down, Roman Emperor slash... You know what's funny? It is traditional, but it's not anymore. I know, yeah. Yeah. Siskel and Ebert, we were talking about then Ebert and Roper, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know why you mentioned Roper. (laughs) Do you have a deal with him? Because I don't think about him. It was Siskel and Ebert, and then it was nothing. I know, I know. 
I, I just remember because my, my parents watched that show and mm-hmm. I remember when Siskel died and it became... What? I know, spoiler alert. No, became, but Ebert's but fine. It, <laughs> he's good because he's my so, rock. So when, I won't live if he does. When he was replaced and it, I remember it being like this, oh wow, that's like the show's different now and they're yeah. changing the name and yeah. all this. But so yes, you are the, the thumbs up or thumbs down either good or bad is right. how, how you judge movies. But I want to go into the criteria in which I judge films okay. next. You're okay. right. Okay. But Let's for, talk about for you. For me, I take it more on a percentage. Like, okay, well, I would say one out of ten, whatever percentage out of a hundred, parts of the movie I liked, what parts I didn't. I think it's also elements. Had... It's not just yeah, parts. Yeah. You look at elements. Yeah, 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 of course. Were there were there moments that it had? Was there a message you know that I related to or a character I related to? Then the the aesthetics of it. Does my enjoyment of the movie exceed my gripes with it? So with that in mind, your feelings on the film at hand? I would say Babelsville by Elia Kazan. Uh, <laughs> uh, I would say I'd rate it at about a seven point five. Out of 100%? I don't understand that. Out of 10. 7.5 out of 10. Yeah. Or a 70% if you're Slow down, gra- Einstein. grading These it. These are people who se- like movies. Okay. 75% if you're How did it get there and why it's, did it's it? It's a solid, solid C to C+. Plus. How did it get there and what parts did you like and why did you like it more than you disliked it? So I liked theatricality of it okay the scenes with old hollywood and the silent yeah, era i that's that's really i think the first half. so that's the theme of the movie real quick yeah it's about the silent film era at its peak right before it is replaced by talkies and it very much shadows the classic film singing in the rain which if you haven't seen it stop listening to this watch that and then come back probably one of the most important moments in film where it makes this giant shift and the system in which it's done, because now everything has to be on sound stages, that's what's explored. If you've never heard right. it, that's what we're yeah. talking about. So the format of it was like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yes. And the fact that two out of the three lead actors in it were the same actors. Margot Robbie uh, and Brad Pitt. I actually changed my criteria a little bit. You've done um, that before. <laughs> Here's the thing. It's with good or bad, for you it's not 50-50. You're like either you love it or you think it's crap <laughs> Right, or I'll just say I don't want to watch it again yes. or have anyone talk about it in front of me. Right, right. you have yeah. a very, very passionate and yes. all or nothing I am reactions. similar, but in all fairness, to people like Quentin Tarantino or other folks that are very, mm-hmm. they're cinephiles. Here, here is how I approach that as far as like recommendations to other people. You just go, there are those kind of movies where I will, you know, happily tell people, do not see this movie yeah. because... It's not going to bring you more enjoyment. Uh, you're not, yeah. you know, it's not going to contribute anything. And there's positive. a lot of good content. So it's yeah. not like you have to watch bad movies exactly. anymore. Exactly, yeah. And with this, I did not feel that way. I felt like there were parts in this that were really enjoyable. And, and unique to itself. Yes, and, and so it's worth seeing. Is it the best movie I've ever seen? Definitely not. It's a horrible criteria. <laughs> Why would it be the best movie I've ever seen? That would be once. That happens right. once or twice. Right. Um, so yes, it's not on my, my list of favorite movies by any means, but there's parts in it that I really So enjoyed. let's talk about those. That's what I wanted. I yeah. want, to, want you to talk about the parts you liked. Mm-hmm. 
so visually there were a lot of there was a lot of theatricality there was a lot of really beautiful things because it was in this era in the kind of 20s and 30s that time period aesthetically has has a lot of really fun things to it i enjoy movies that show filmmaking everyone i think who likes movies has a little bit of a soft spot for hollywood in the 20s 30s to 50s and so you're already going to get some audience satisfaction by showing the old convertible cars and the people in their outfits back then in the old spanish style houses of la when la wasn't so big and there's there's also a a thing about if it's a movie that is about making movies. Yes. It's a thing that you want to see in theaters. Very incestuous, know. but like incestuous. Yeah. But it has, wants yeah, to it has it. this kind of glamour and romanticism to it that you go, oh yeah, the big screen, you know, as right. opposed to the big screen TV. <laughs> right. But So just tell me what elements, so so yeah. the art direction, the cinematography. Yeah, I liked, I liked a lot of the music. Yeah. The glimpse of movie making in the silent era, how it was done, and then they're on the cusp of that age ending and talkies are becoming this viable next step. And you see that a little bit too in the studio system. They talk about the success of talkies and how it's just, it becomes a foregone conclusion that, hey, this is where the money is and everyone's going to make that pivot. It's probably one of those things where it was such I mean, obviously, we know this is the case. It was an inevitable evolution, but the people who loved film up until that moment, where I will say that I thought it was unique was that Singing in the Rain was about the same period, and they actually even talk about Singing in the Rain. However, I did not get from Singing in the Rain how wonderful, how amazing, how kinetic, fun, how it was like the circus, it was like the theater, it was this amazing rock show Mm -hmm. to make movies. You could yell at people. They were making 50 movies at the same time in the first scene. Yes, this whole topic within the movie, Babylon, is what I really, really enjoyed the most. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, it's. I think with Singing in the Rain, which was referenced multiple times throughout this movie, actually, I think more than anything, I told you earlier that it really made me want to watch Singing in the Rain again. Yes. Even before the reference was made, I had remembered that the beginning of that movie where they're, they're showing... The, uh, the actress who is a silent film star and they, they try to put her in talkies and how that fails. With this movie, what I really liked is they highlighted the freedom of silent film. How the actors and the director, everyone involved in the production could play, have fun yes. and try things. Yes. It made it seem like such a enjoyable art form. A great scene for that, to let people know, I'm not giving anything away, was that during silent era films, there was no sound recorded. So they'd have bands playing. They'd have the band play or this musician play for the actors to get the excitement of that music in the scene. But the director could yell things to the actor constantly during the scene because there was no sound. So there was this amazing and so desirable back and forth that has not existed since mm-hmm. on film where the director in real time could make you understand what they were looking for which i was amazed yeah. by and really impressed by and it was you see how it was much more like 
vaudeville or like dance theater rehearsals. Right. Uh, That's the special thing is yeah. that I think that they were able to make them like rehearsals. Yes. And there is nothing I've ever seen or heard of that's like that now. Everything needs to be professionally executed. Maybe the behind the scenes of a movie, but still you can't do that because once action is called, the only thing that must be going is the characters, the actors on the scene. Babylon did a really good job of showing the joy in filmmaking in the silent era and then having a juxtaposition yes. of that with there was a strong stance on talkies, talkies being negative well yeah you it brings the character nelly into her Margot first, robbie yeah her first talkie picture you see what's going on in the sound booth with the director they have to stop because someone doesn't have rubber on the soles of their shoes and that makes noise and it's a hundred different things and you see everyone getting frustrated and it is done really well especially for someone i mean we know this because we've both worked in tv and film so we understand what it takes to do it and what it, what it is working on a soundstage but for people who aren't exposed to that i think that this is demonstrates for that sure. really yeah, well absolutely and i think that one of the biggest juxtapositions was most of the people I know who got into film for the same reason I did, whether it's James Cameron or M. Night Shyamalan, you've heard the story a million times. I had an 8mm camera. I had a VHS camera. I had a blah, blah, blah. And I just started shooting movies, right? That was me too. Mm -hmm. uh, not the Me Too movement. It was me as well. I felt that way too. <laughs> I want to specify I as well. I started working on the set of Friends. The sound stages are the same, which is pretty amazing, even yeah. from when this was done in the 30s. When you see how the silent era was through the description of this film, you go, wow, that's what it was like when I was a kid. You could just make movies and it was so fun and there was none of the politics and none of the business and none of the, shut up, mm -hmm. stop talking. And the, and the power dynamics were so much more equal because the actors could communicate with the directors and there was this fluidity between talent and creator that yeah. does not, it cannot exist the way it did. That was amazing. Best illustration for me in that was that at the very beginning of the film, there's all these movies being shot in the desert of Simi Valley. And there are all these sets. They're right next to each other. They're all completely different films. But it doesn't matter because they're, they're not they're recording all, sound. So they silent. can be as loud as they want. So everything. Uh, there's it's amazing. yelling and music. It's and amazing. It's just and he does this, that very well. Yeah. It's like, it's really a circus is yeah. what it is. The best illustration of that changeover was he then goes to what exists. And what I yeah. saw the first time I went on set shows all the studios, all of these little boxes from the sky where the movies are now encapsulated. And the energy has to be subdued so that nothing interrupts the sound. That yeah. completely stifles creativity. And you see the actress in the beginning. Margot Robbie's Robbie, character. Yeah, Nellie. She comes in and she's really over the top enthusiastic. You know, well, it's my first day of college or whatever it is. And uh, and then, you know, she like slams her briefcase down. and This is, very, is during her first introduction yes, to sound. Yes, is very, very animated and exuberant. Why we fell in love with her in the silent era. Right. And then you see with every take, it gets smaller and quieter and more monotone because, oh, well, we have to get the sound. You know, the sound has to be perfect. And by the end, her performance is nothing to it. And that was amazing to me. And when it was just film, you see this lack of inhibitions. You see this kind of pure art. And I never thought of that. Oh, wow, it must have been great to be in the silent era. What I didn't get right away when they had that part that was outside, all of the different things filming at once out in Simi, you said, oh, well, because of the lighting. 
And that wasn't right. even a consideration for me, too. That It was outside because you didn't need a soundstage yeah, to light, so you all, could light all, naturally. And the power that all that equipment takes, it's just made perfect sense after you told me that. I was like, oh, yeah. Well, and it Natural makes, lighting, of and course. And for me, I try and shoot everything outside, mm-hmm. and I try and shoot at night, and I try and shoot with as much natural light as possible because that's the most fun for me, and I think it's the best way to immerse people. Let me real quick explain what the film is. It follows three characters. One is a person who falls in love with film. He's Spanish. Yes. American. He doesn't speak English very well. He's just getting in the business. It follows his career. They think he's Mexican because he speaks Spanish. Mm-hmm. And then it follows Margot Robbie, who just shows up in town, the girl off the bus, right? But mm-hmm. she's tenacious. She's ambitious. She's wild. Yes. And then Brad Pitt's character who is the old silent era film guy, who is beautiful, still the highest box office draw, but will he make it in a sound world? Which, just like Singing in the Rain, there are these characters. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, they make reference that these real people were why Singing in the Rain was being pulled from. Right, and and the two, uh, those two characters, Margot Robbie's character and Brad Pitt's character, are also loosely based on actual people right. from that era. So it's two people who are in love with film and a guy who's the biggest deal. Those are the characters we follow. Now, let's talk about how we felt as an evolution through the film. I was willing to like it. I suspended my prejudice at the fact that this director is so beloved that sometimes I'll go, well, you know, I, I don't buy into that. If I bought a Ford car and it blew up, I would not review that car based on my good experience with the previous car, right? So I'm not going to say, I'm a Ford Ford guy, even though I believe that every film, and I think this should be universal, should be judged. Because you like the actor, director, or whatever it is, you should not carry that. The reason I mention it is not just as a throwaway statement. Most of the positive reviews I read said, I love this director. I loved what he's done before. In the review of this film, I read five that said, I wanted to like this so badly. And that's a problem because mm-hmm. you're already coming in yeah, with this. With a bias. I can go into a movie with all the prejudice in the world and it can win me over. And when I'm won over, this happened recently with Euphoria, mm-hmm. the first season. Everyone kept saying, oh, you're not going to like it, blah, blah, blah. It's this woke, it's these kids, blah, blah. Really, really negative stuff I was hearing from my peers. I was blown away by the first season yeah. and fell in love with the first episode. And then when you were were talking about it, what you really liked about the filmmaking of it, people told you, oh, well, wait till the second season. You'll love the second season. So I say all that to say that obviously this movie was supposed to be good. You don't have Margot Robbie, Brad Pitt, and one of the most celebrated young directors in the industry who brought you things like La La Land, which was a musical that shouldn't have had success. In current day, it did. They're special people working on this film. I liked it until I didn't, and it fell apart in story. It fell apart in character. It I could see the brushstrokes of the director where he was showing parts of the industry he liked and didn't like. There were characters that were completely unnecessary, like Tobey Maguire's character. Yes, there I was violence. There was like there was graphic, disgusting barf and Excrement. bodily. Yes, yeah, it was. And your, the urination thing. I forgot about that one. Yeah. None of it was germane to the no. plot, but it was put in. As, I guess, a metaphor shock, for the fact... No, I think it was shock value. But also to say that this is a gross industry, which was yeah, already illustrated. Yeah, you yeah, didn't need... People at this time, you know, did these things. If you are triggered by bodily... Injection of no. bodily fluid, oh, I if said you're excrement. triggered by that, don't see this. Yeah. Because it is a festival of that. 
which doesn't make any sense. I heard it was a lot of nudity. Mm -hmm. There was, but it was peripheral. It was like, you know, eyes wide shut in the background kind of thing. Yeah. It showed the debauchery of orgies and stuff, but very mildly. I was going to say like... um... Like some of the HBO series, like Game right, of Thrones right. or yeah, yeah, yeah. True Game Blood. Game of Thrones or... has penises in the background yeah. every scene. Yeah. Uh, it's West actually World. a fact. Yeah. If you watch Game of Thrones carefully, they have a penis in every scene. <laughs> so watch it again. I have, and I've enjoyed what I've seen. Can you spot years. them all? Yeah, can you spot It's like, where's Waldo if Waldo was a penis? This has a smorgasbord of that kind of stuff. A lot of breasts. But I kept hearing, it's like singing in the rain, but with nudity. That's what I always felt singing in the That's rain you. was missing. I did not hear that at oh, all. Oh, yeah, I heard it the other night. Huh. Yeah, someone said that it's like singing in the rain with nudity. Weird. I would say that that is a terrible review or, or assessment of the film. Yeah. So I'm going to get really quick into my view. I didn't care about the characters. I wanted to very badly because I like both these actors yeah. a great deal. And I've always felt that Margot Robbie should have been as famous as any of the big actresses. She has the look. Yeah. She has the talent. I think that she should be the it girl in this business. She lights up the screen. And she hasn't been. And Brad Pitt, if you give him a damn role like 12 Monkeys or something like Legends of the Fall, but with his skill set now, I've I've said forever that maybe as he gets to be less beautiful, which doesn't seem to be happening, he can smoke and drink all he wants. I see more more Robert Redford in him. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying, though. I I want to see the Brad Pitt movie that brings me to tears or gets me choked up. I'm never going to cry. But if I could, I want to feel it. I can feel during movies. And uh, I do the the man cry thing, which is just like, I look very sternly <laughs> off in the middle distance and feel all my childhood and disappointments resonate. Right and I stuff down. it right down into <laughs> I until I can punch the bag at the uh, gym. What we talked about earlier with the whole, the issues with recording sound in film, that's a part that being that silent was, on set, all and that, that stuff. And that yeah. was focused on, and, and that it was, was great. done really well. Very well. Because that's relevant. But, you know, these weird underground, really just ni- Sex, niche... kind of S&M, yeah. uh, gross... It's like, well, this... Carnies no. eating <laughs> chicken kind of thing. Yeah. Live animals things. It's like, okay, maybe... Maybe that, yes, sure, that has happened in human history. There are some people who have very strange proclivities. What is the point of showing this? Also, the third act hinged on all of these characters, the crest of what was going on in their life. Yeah. What a movie should do, you get more interested as it goes on. Yes. It gets so lost in the thing you were just talking about, the debauchery of the 20s and 30s of Hollywood, that you care less and less about the characters. So by the end, when the conclusion comes up, you're like, all right. Well, when we were talking about the similarities with this and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, that structurally Babylon was similar in in the the following of the the three characters, two of whom are played by the same actors as Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. The hubris, as I like (laughs) to say. They kind of are woven in and out of... The yeah. same environment. Right. Uh, yeah. But they, they meet a couple of times, but yeah, not really. But, but they don't all end up being crucial to one central storyline. And there's no collision of the characters that is an apex of anything. Right. Which is most of the, most of the time in most films, it's kind of that that is the formula where you have multiple characters and it all leads toward one conclusion. Think about George Lucas or Steven Spielberg. Yeah. It's always Jurassic Park. You have the, the room, the control room. 
then you have the people in the park they separate into threes and at the end they come to a conclusion but they're all driving towards the same yeah. goal same thing with star wars star wars you have the individual characters doing their things mm -hmm. but at the end they all come together yeah. with a common and climax with, that's what once upon a time in hollywood had yes that this didn't is that because it was this revenge fantasy thing that tarantino had been doing on a, in a few different movies we knew that this was about the manson murders and mm -hmm. sharon tate you know her eventuality and all that so, revisionist history through tarantino right so so that was going to be covered in the climax mm -hmm. in some way it's funny this movie made me like once upon a time in hollywood a lot more yeah I've, I've learned to like that more than my first viewing. Now I want to to watch that again. Isn't that funny? And I want to watch Singing in the Rain again. Right. You've made me this evil emperor who says, <laughs> throw the Christians to the lions. Uh -huh. I'll put it this way. I found that the story suffered so much. Mm -hmm. And that is what a movie is to me. Yeah. A movie is the story. I can put up with bad characters. I can put up with bad scenery. I can put up with bad sound. I can put up with bad technical anything. If the story has me and I feel something at the end that I didn't feel at the beginning and I walk out, you know that part in theaters when we were all kids and you walk out while the credits are rolling and you have that like, wow, and you start talking before you even leave the theater because you were so excited about going over the scenes you liked. None of that for me in yeah. this. All of the characters, the main characters, were not really fully formed. Got a superficial sense of what their jobs were and their backgrounds a little bit. You didn't really know what their motivations were too much. I did like, uh, with Brad Pitt's character, seeing him involved so heavily in the production side of it. How he was really not just He was such a successful actor, actor that he right. knew movies better than anyone. Yeah, and I like that they showed that because that definitely... That's almost like Tom Cruise yeah. today, where the guy is so essential, they say he should get a director's credit for everything because he yes. knows movies better than anyone. Yeah, so that part I liked. There was, uh, as far as the eventualities of the characters, we could see... Mile away what was going to happen. We could see coming what was going to happen, which, you know, kind of takes something away from it. And it was just too long. I was, yeah, It dragged absolutely. at I parts. Heard, and that part with Tobey Maguire, completely we didn't need that at all. I don't Answer, know why he was saying. Yeah. I heard recently Paul Thomas Anderson say that he's worried that we will lose the art to tell a story in two hours. Mm -hmm. And I think that's brilliant. My yeah. movie that's in 120 pages is The Party and its working title, and you've read it, is nearly perfect in those two hours. And mm -hmm. I love that framework. In a world right now where we can have limited series come out, you can make movies that are three hours and people are fine because they're binging. Mm -hmm. But I think that that has a tendency, especially for one, someone who has as much success as this director whose name escapes me again and will forever, Jimmy Zalam, he took advantage of the fact that he was given so much more leeway. And I think it suffered. Yeah. He seems like a guy to me that needs the restraints. Most directors do. I, I would say that the the beginning lagged. It was a little bit slow to really get into it, in my opinion. And then the third act, that whole conflict with with Toby Maguire, who I like. Which is funny because they made him completely unlikable, which yeah. is really weird for Toby Maguire. It's the part he wanted. <laughs> I'm sure. And it was it was fun, I'm sure, to do because it was yeah. so completely the opposite of it. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's really, it should have been an hour shorter. And then I think that we could have cared about the characters way more. Yeah. So if you tuned in to hear a bunch of people criticizing the lack of brevity in a review that's 41 minutes, I think, again, this is more of an introduction. I would say, see it at home and make your own mind up. Yeah. I think that People who are like me, who are really heavily into cinema or really love a story. Because I read 
more than I watch movies. Mm-hmm. I do agree completely with Gina on the beauty of the beginning and that there are aspects of Hollywood that I haven't seen. And that's amazing because Hollywood loves nothing more than romanticizing old Hollywood. Yeah. And they're so good at illustrating the old yeah. Hollywood. Even well, I, I, it made the me, aviator. It, that's what I was going to, I was just going to say that's that, great. that, yeah, this, this made me want to rewatch the other movies that we talked about, but Aviator was the next one. Mm-hmm. Aviator was great too because Aviator was very good. It showed some unfavorable parts of it too. Absolutely. And it showed the flaws. It wasn't all wonderful and glamorous and fun, solid all the way through. Well, that's what I was going to say. The Aviator did what this didn't, as a matter of fact. And without being critical to the director, I, I want to say that I know movies well enough to know that there are restrictions that I can't see. I can only, I shouldn't criticize the filmmakers especially being in that position for things i don't know that may have prevented them from having i have a friend who made a movie that the script is great and when he explained to me what it was i was like wow and the movie didn't come out near what he wanted to be that said the aviator made the character who had a lot of flaws like the characters in this and the genius and the problems with hollywood all of that was covered so well in such vivid detail and at the end you care so much about this guy you learn all of those things so much it's not heavy-handed and it's not telegraphed and you don't feel like oh i see what they were trying to do here right which when we were talking about this after we had just finished watching the movie last night or you weren't quite sure of the motivation and I was trying to explain, well, this is what he was trying right, to do right, here. Right. Or you could see in this part, this part, and this part that he was trying to show the magic of movies right. and what they do to audiences and what they do to the individual who wants to be a part of it and all that. Sure. The problem is that that was obvious. And did we need to see that? Right. Like, and that's, that's pretty obvious. I'm, I'm a person, too, you know, if you general. want to look at how I review things. If someone says, oh, no, you have to watch episode five and six to like the show and i can't get through half of one i don't buy into that because that is a bad story so if you have a limited series and this happens all the time and i've watched two episodes and i say i'm done and then my friends say oh but it gets really good at episode eight what am i supposed to do here you know that is a badly told story or it's an 80 minute story that they turned into an eight hour story because that made more money or they needed to fill slots on Disney Plus. Yeah. Right? And I think that that's a negative thing. And I don't think we should get used to scrolling on our phone during a film because you know it's going to get good by episode six. Absolutely. And I think that some people will say that this film was worth it for the XYZ. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's the case with you. And I don't want to prejudice your enjoyment of it because of that. But for me, good parts of a bad movie yeah. is, is tough because... It's not a moving painting, right? It's a story. And the story should grab you and you should feel something. And I didn't. No. Except for I felt informed about yeah. a, a stance. I enjo- but that's it. I enjoyed the part about the the production of films, like how right. they are how they are made, you know, in this specific time. That part was great and the rest of it was meh. Yeah. And visually, yeah, like the big party scenes and everything. Okay, they were fine, but go see Baz Luhrmann's Great Gatsby, and uh, I think that, that that's yeah, that's going to be which we like that yeah. And, and so we'll review the next one, not the Great Gatsby, <laughs> but uh, you've already heard bonus reviews of Aviator and a couple other films. Yeah, I uh, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean I'm being nice because 
I'm being nice because I got really scared about 20 minutes ago and thought, what if these directors find out I reviewed their movies poorly? But I'm not going to be a chicken because I'm a human. <laughs> I think I think that you should make your own choice, and it's not so bad no. that you'll regret it. No, you know, and it, very well made. The uh, end was so hard for me to swallow. I know, and and I'm a person who firmly believes that a terrible movie can be made amazing mm-hmm. by a good ending, and that we have seen some movies, Sixth Sense. That's not a terrible movie, but the Sixth Sense. I don't want to spoil it for you, but uh, Bruce Willis is in it. <laughs> At the end of Sixth Sense, you are so blown away that that is what made a man's career. Yeah. Right? And this ending was just... It just fizzled. It kind of petered out. This and... should have been the director's cut version. It shouldn't have been yeah. the theatrical release. I think that the studio should have cut the end of this and cut a couple other pieces out, and it would have been a much more fast-paced, clear-cut story. Yeah, I agree. It meandered a lot. And I think that that's what I've said about this director, is that all credit to him. He's made such great movies that I'm sure the studio said, this is the one you get to do your deal on and that's what it really felt at the end was that mm-hmm. he was telling you this is how i feel and you shouldn't be able to see that in a movie it should be completely encapsulated in its story universe and that is the only thing you should know is how the characters feel yeah i agree so that is our review of babble babble babylon 5 and uh <laughs> i hope you enjoyed it and i am jet still and you are gina right and we'll see you next time we won't because it's audio We'll hear you. We'll you'll hear, hear, you'll, you'll hear, hear us there next you go. time. <laughs> we'll hear you next time if you talk to us. Thanks. Thank you and good night.